0: God is good. Amen. Well, come on. Give him praise, everybody. Come on now. Hallelujah. We're going to kind of split this today. And and uh, so I am I want to go back. Um, of course, we had a guest speaker last week. Had a great time. Praise with that. Amen. Amen. Um, but before, uh, the week prior to that, we were ministering out of James chapter 4, please. Let's go there again. James chapter 4. And what I'm going to do here is, in a sense, kind of a, do a, a little bit of a review of what uh, some of the things we talked about on that week. And then I'm going to turn this over to Trudy then a little bit, because there's some nuggets that she has concerning the same thing that I want to put in here. And verse, chapter 4, verse 7, and it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now there's three individuals mentioned in this text. We see God, we see the enemy, and we see you, me and you in this. All right, three individuals. And as I kind of started last uh, time I was with you on this, um, to me, uh, a lot of life's questions get answered if you have a revelation of who your God is, who your enemy is, and who you are. I found that the majority of life's questions can get answered. But when you struggle with any of those things, if you struggle with who God is, or you struggle with who the enemy is, or even with the fact that we have an enemy, most of the time that's uh, the bummer of, of, of uh, the majority of the body of Christ didn't even realize we have an enemy. Okay, they may, uh, you know, mentally cons- uh, mentally assent to the fact that you know there's a God and a devil. You know, there's a heaven, there's a hell. Uh, but a lot of times they move on in life and God somehow or another gets the blame for everything. Everything that goes on is obviously from God. And uh, if that's the case, you don't know who your God is and you definitely don't know who your enemy is. Come on now. And then it says He will, if you resist the enemy, he will flee from you, all right? And so you're, you're the third uh, one mentioned in this text and obviously you got to know who you are, okay? If you don't know who you are, you probably will never resist the enemy. You'll just move on with life, and you'll cope with life instead of conquer or overcome like you're called to. So it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Somebody say, praise ye the Lord. Now, a lot of times people get this mixed up uh, because they have uh, settled or they've coped, or somehow or another got into casualness or ease, and, and then the uh, enemy come in, slides in there, and begins to do damage, and uh, we just kind of accept it. And so what happens then, when that goes on, that's where you end up submitting to the enemy. Come on, instead of submitting to God, you start submitting to the enemy, and by doing that, you find yourself then resisting God. Are you with me? Now, nobody, I believe, as far as the church is concerned, uh, you know, gets up in the morning and says, you know what, I'm going to resist God today. I just don't think that's really what happens. Now, there might be a few, maybe due to some serious rebellion issues, I don't know, but I have found most people, it's just a matter of, it just happens because uh, they didn't realize they just kind of got into a, a rut or whatever it is, or... It could be anything from casualness to to even ignorance, because just sometimes some people just don't know. Are you with me? All right. I've heard a lot of different teaching out there. Uh, Sometimes you hear some teaching about the sovereignty of God, and, uh, you know, they, they somehow or another, they put in that, that everything that happens to you in life is all God. Well, that's a farce, and it's a lie from the pit of hell. And the enemy wants you to think that. All right? So the enemy wants you to blame everything on God, and the enemy wants you to not even realize he's around. And he's a pride-arrogant thing, but for some odd reason, he's okay with you not knowing he's in the room. Are you still with me? Because he likes it when you sit and blame God, because when that happens, you've resisted then to darkness, you've resisted to what the enemy's doing, and in turn, Uh, or probably you've submitted to the enemy, and in turn, you've resisted God and what he's trying to do, all right? And so it usually comes down to this, whether you're going to know God, know the enemy, or know you have an enemy, right? Come on, and know uh, who you are, praise God. Are you still with me? All right, so with that said, Acts 10, please, let's kind of scoot through a few verses here. And uh, we're not going to do everything we did last time, but just kind of touch on a few things. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, uh, who went about doing what? Doing what? Doing good. How many know you have a good God? Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good, right? Doing good. Jesus went around doing good. He didn't go around doing bad. He went around doing good. But what did he do? He also brought healing to all who were oppressed By the enemy, who's the oppressor? Who's the healer? All right, who's good? Who's bad? Okay, that's so. To me, it's so. It's so simple. Come on now. Uh, I'm not saying that you know when you're moving along in all this that it's always easy, but it is simple. There's simplicity in Christ, and that's part of the simplicity. God is always good. Devil's always bad. God's always good. Devil is always bad, always evil. Who does the oppressing? The enemy. Who does the deceiving? The enemy. Who does the lying? The enemy. Who does the stealing? The enemy. Who's good? God's good. Amen. Let's look at the uh, the next reference. Please put that one up there if you will. Common text, John ten ten. Jesus talking. He said, "The thief." We could say the enemy. And uh, you know, when you kind of sum it all up, okay, a lot said in this text, but, uh, uh, but basically, you can sum it up and say, "Who's the author of all the thievery?" It's the enemy. The thief does not come except to. I love this. This is so simple. Except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You know, growing up, before I came to know the Lord, it was always these, you know, a lot of rock and roll songs and different things said where, you know, uh, we all want to go to hell because that's where the party is, man. It's like you don't even have a clue what you just said there. All right? The enemy is never going to be your friend, ain't never looking to be your friend, ain't looking to do anything good for you. He comes except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what the enemy does. But Jesus said, I came to give. Come on, right? I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In other words, the enemy comes to take life, Jesus came to give life. Are we still doing okay? So, when there's thievery going on, when there's killing and destroying going on, who's the author of it? The enemy. Come on now. you got to know that's the enemy because it starts with knowing there's an enemy. If you don't know it's the enemy, you don't know you have an enemy, you will never resist your enemy. But if you know, wait a minute, that's a thief. That's a liar. That's a deceiver. That's a killer. That's a destroyer. That's a manipulator. You know, then you can stand up and then oppose or resist your enemy. And when you do, he must flee. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Give me uh, the next one, please. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 5 8 says, be sober, literally means don't come under the influence of anything else. In other words, no matter what the pressure, no matter what's going on, you don't submit to, uh, to all that mess. Be sober, be vigilant, or watchful, that word means, because your adversary, the devil. Who's the adversary? Come on, now, who's the devourer? Who's the one trying to manipulate? Because the adversary or your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Doesn't mean he is one, but he goes around trying to make a lot of noise, trying to, uh, to somehow uh, bring harm or somehow bring fear in your life. Come on. Like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, I say he may not hear. Because that's, a, that's a, you don't have to let the enemy devour. Come on now, but he is looking to devour, so it makes it real clear. Then verse 9 says this, resist him. Same thing James said, resist him. Resist who? Your adversary, the devil. Resist him, oppose him, stand against him. Amen. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Amen. Amen knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In other words, all it's saying is there is that you can't go around saying that what's happened to you ain't never happened to anybody else before. We've all have warfare. We all have things we have to deal with. We all have fight. We got to fight. We all have a race. We got to run. Come on, somebody. We all have a cross we have to bear. We all have an enemy to resist. Do you hear me? Are you doing okay or am I boring you here today? All right, so we resist him. We oppose our enemy. Give me another reference, praise God. Luke 10, 19, behold, Jesus said, I give you authority. Talking to his disciples here, so talking to you and me as disciples, I give you authority, which literally means jurisdiction. Exousia is that that word there. I give you authority, give you jurisdiction. To trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, all the power, all the power of the enemy. Just like you'd squish a bug. Come on. Kill that snake. Squish that scorpion. Come on. Somebody said, well, I run from him. Well, it's time to start taking some dominion, child of God. Amen. So just like you take authority over that, that bug or that slithering snake, come on, somebody, you do the same thing with your enemy because he is nothing but a bug and a slithering snake. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. In other words, if you will stand your ground, the enemy has no place. But he's given you authority. He's given you dominion. Now, as I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to say it again. He said, you're called to submit to God and resist your enemy. God will never do those things for you. You have to submit to God and move toward God and, and receive from God. You have to submit toward God, uh, to God, and you have to resist your enemy. Now, as you submit to God, God will help you in your resistance. But he's given you authority. He's given you dominion on planet earth. Can I hear a big amen? Uh, real quick, I'm just going to do this. <clears throat> if you have question marks like this how are we going to do this? How are we going to make it? Uh, what do we do now? If those are kind of questions you got rolling around in your head. You don't know who your God is. If your question mark's rolling around your head is, why is God doing this to me? Or why does this always happen to me? Are questions that that basically tell that you don't know who your enemy is. If you have question marks in your head going, where is God? Why won't God intervene? How's the enemy getting in? If those are all your question marks, you don't know who you are. So if any of those kind of questions are rolling around your head, it tells you something. Now, listen, there's no condemnation. There's no guilt. This pastor isn't up here trying to somehow guilt you or somehow condemn you, but I'm trying to make you aware of your enemy. You have to do your part. God is not going to do the resisting for you. You have to step up, stand up, amen, take your authority, walk in dominion. And as I said, too, even I think that same week, I made it real clear that prayer is all about your communion with God and your dominion on planet Earth. You have a fight, but you got to be willing to get in the fight and do your part. Amen. Are you still with me? All right, let's look at another, another reference here. Put that one up. Revelations 12 and 9, we're winding her down here. So the great dragon was cast out. We're reading this part so we know who we're talking about here. Uh, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, just in case you don't know who. Come on, we'll just, we'll just throw it all. The serpent of old, the devil, Satan. Come on. But why is he here? To deceive the whole world. He's a deceiver. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Come on now, verse 10. And then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. That's what he did. Now, he's still doing it. He just can't do it before God anymore. But he'll do it before each and every one of you try to get you to accuse each other. Because he's always the deceiver, the manipulator, the accuser. Verse 11, please. And they, talking about you and me. You notice in this text, again, it's another one of those that, that talks about your enemy. It talks about your God. It talks about you. And they, talking about you as a child of God, you, hallelujah, they overcame him, talking about the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb. I mean, based on what Christ has already done, we sang about the blood today, praise ye the Lord, come on, the blood of the Lamb, see that's all again, it's coming down to this, if you know who you are, you know you're redeemed by the blood, you know you're accepted in Him, you know, praise God, you're forgiven, praise God, so when the enemy comes to deceive and manipulate and accuse, you know who your God is, you know who your enemy is, and you know who you are, praise God. Hallelujah, that's what this is all about. But you notice you still have to overcome, which means you have to resist. You can't just say, I just don't understand why this, you got to overcome. You have to resist your enemy, and you plead the blood if you have to, praise God. And it says, and by the word of their testimony, which just means literally by by an utterance coming out of your mouth, hallelujah, based on who you are, who your God is, by declaring what God has done for you and what God will do for you, again, comes down to knowing your God, knowing your enemy, and knowing who you are. You're the overcomer. You're the conqueror. Hallelujah. You're the victorious one, according to the, the scriptures. You're triumphant in him, according to the scripture. Hallelujah. By the word of their testimony, and they did not, that's most of the time, gets forgotten here, and they did not love their lives to the death. In other words, you're in it for the long haul. You're in it to win it. And all that means is this. You're not going to be pressured to quit because of whatever, because of fear, or whatever's against you, whatever's going on. You stay in this thing, and you fight, and you have the promise of God that if you will submit yourself to him and resist your enemy, he will flee, praise God. But this a lot of times it gets forgotten, all right, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and not loving your own life, even unto death. In other words, I'm I'm willing to stick with this thing no matter what it costs me. But see, if the enemy knows you're going to back up every time the pressure's on, he keeps coming. Every time he just pushes just in the right place, pushes the right button, and you're backing up, he knows to keep coming in that area. But if you will stand your ground say, I refuse to back up, I refuse to to turn around, I refuse to quit, praise God. I'm in this thing to win it in the name of Jesus. I will resist my enemy, and I thus shall overcome. Hallelujah. One more more reference. Just look at this, and I'm going to turn it over to Trudy here. Fight the good, to fight of faith. Actually, i got two more, I guess. This one just kind of goes with the last one. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on to eternal life, uh, to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And what that says is you're in a fight. It's a good fight if you do it right. That means you win, but you're going to have to lay hold of some things and you're going to have to get that mouth working for you and not against you. And that's kind of why I wanted to pull that verse today. Amen. The confession, the good, confess the good confession is, uh, many times we talk about that, homos logia, which means same word or covenant acknowledgement. In other words, you speak your word. That's what Jesus did. It is written. It is written. What are you doing? Resisting. Amen. I'm just trying to make it clear. It's a fight. Now let's go to the last one. Ephesians 6. Thank you. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, which is first and foremost, submitting yourself to Him. Verse 11, praise God. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on just a piece or two. Put on just what you're comfortable with. Oh, you know, that just kind of, That kind of rubs me raw a little bit right there. I'm not going to wear that piece. Uh, Who needs a a sword? Who needs armor? Who needs the shield? Who needs the helmet? Well, each piece of the armor is a representation of one area of resistance. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles or the scheming or the plotting of the devil. You notice you have to put on the armor, and you have to stand. You have to resist. Verse 12, please. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, and the enemy loves it when you get caught up in it, looking at people, thinking it's people are always your problem. And don't get me wrong, there's a few stinkers out there. I get it. And sometimes all it is is they're just yielding to the wrong spirit. Come on. But your fight really, see, remember, you got to fight, but it's against principalities. Against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, praise God. Let's go now to verse thirteen. Therefore, take up. Therefore, take up. Because your fights with with the enemy, your fights in that that unseen realm. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day or the day of evil, whatever the enemy's trying to bring against you, and having done all to stand, you stand, therefore. And then it goes on and mentions the pieces of armament. Now, the point I'm trying to make with this, again, every time you read these kind of texts, it tells you, amen, you have a fight. You have to resist. All of this is about you standing your ground, being who you're called to be as a child of God, as an heir of God, a joiner with Christ, forgiven, redeemed, accepted. Come on, somebody. Overcomer, conqueror, praise God. That's who you are. Hallelujah. We gotta know who our God is, who our enemy is. And who we are, praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, We don't cope, we conquer. Praise God. Trudy, come on up here, please. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good.
1: So I want to go back first to that James chapter four. James chapter four, verse seven. I want to look at that scripture again. It says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. So we have three entities there. Like Pastor Jerry was saying. We have God. We have the enemy. And we have us. And so there is three entities in life. Now, the one thing I want us to understand is that every one of these is spiritual. Every one of these is spiritual. God is spirit. The enemy is a, in the spirit realm. He's a, he is a fallen angel in the spirit realm. And God says that we are spirit. We're spirit. And it's important for us to know this because spirit against fleshly or against material or against earthly, there is no resistance. If Jesus was going to walk through here and I'm sure he, the spirit of God is present, Or if angels were going to come to here, they don't have to wait at the door till somebody knocks and lets them in. They can pass through the door. They can pass through the ceiling. They can pass through all these places because spirit can pass through the natural spirit can pass through the eternal. This is not firm substance in the spirit. Spirit can pass right through that. Okay. Well, but me, I have got physical substance. I can't pass through that because material against material is firm. And the reason I say it's important to realize that we're spirit is because spirit against spirit is also firm. Okay? So when we realize all three of these entities God, the enemy, and us our spiritual forces, we realize that the real us who is a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body, 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us that, that those three components that we are made of, if we stay in the spirit, then we can resist the enemy and our spirit against the enemy is firm but our flesh against the enemy is not our flesh against the enemy is not firm we have to be in the spirit to provide the resistance that is mandated to conquer the enemy amen hallelujah so you know i was thinking about i was thinking about god the god the enemy, and us. And the Lord gave me this illustration of a football game. Now, I have n- never been a football player, um, but there is, a, you know, if you're from Nebraska, you have to understand football. You just have to. That's the pastime of all Nebraskan. They watch football, okay? And um, in particular, the Huskers. And they are not fair weather fans. They are fans, whether we win every game or lose every game. That's just the way they are. Anyway, so it's like this, that in, I don't want to call it the game of life because I think that cheapens it, but in the life we live, God is the one that owns the stadium, the field, the court. He is the one that owns the equipment. The cattle on a thousand hills, the, all the, the resources, the minerals, the, the diamonds. He owns all that. He created all of that. He also is the one that writes the rule book, the handbook, the, what works and what doesn't work, how to be victorious in this game, how to fail at this game. He writes that. And that is that handbook that God wrote is unchangeable. In this living that we do, here is the handbook. It is unchangeable. It was authored by the creator of the game or the creator of life authored the handbook, how to live life. Just like the creator of the football game, they wrote the handbook. The beauty of this is this handbook never has to be altered, amended, or changed. Never, never. It has survived thousands of years and it has not needed an altering yet. So the father is that. The enemy is our opponent. Now, in this handbook is our assignment or how to achieve the goal or how to win the game. And we have an enemy because there is always an opponent in any competitive game. And what this opponent wants to do is keep you from the victory, from the win. He wants to keep you from getting that triumph, that goal accomplished, that success, which that success is talked about in here. That victory is talked about in here. And the enemy always opposes us. The other team in football, they try to keep you out of the goal. They try to keep you out of the goal. And the interesting thing is, even though the opponent knows this handbook, He doesn't restrict himself to the games of this handbook, but there is restrictions on him by this handbook. But if me on the other team doesn't know that, there is no enforcement of the restrictions on my opponent. If I let him bite, if I let him do things that are not permitted in the game, the referee, which is the Holy Spirit, will draw it to my attention to have it stopped, all right? So the enemy is the opponent trying to get us to not establish and live in the success that this book guarantees. And then there's me, the player. And as a player, I need to understand things, that I am a player on a team, but I have a quarterback, and this quarterback's name is Jesus. In fact, the word of God even tells us, I think it's in maybe Hebrews 2, it tells us that he's the captain of our salvation. He's the captain of our team. And so what I have to understand is, I have to understand my place in the game, my position that I'm playing, and I have to understand the abilities that I have. Now, at any time, the quarterback of the team can tell me, you're going to move. You're not going to be a linebacker for this play. For this play, you're going to be our running back, which that doesn't usually fit, but that's understanding what your abilities are. And because the idea of the, the idea of life is win the game, win the game. Now, the opponent never has as much fortitude and strength as the one that has Jesus as their quarterback, never. Never does he. But this opposition will labor to keep me from achieving that goal or assignment. And so what I have here is a little example of what life looks like. And this is just life. But what I have to understand that in life, I absolutely have to know these three components. I have to know who God is. It's requirement. I have to know who God is. And I have to know who my enemy is. Have to know who my enemy is. And I have to know who I am in this thing of life. I have to know each and every one of these and I have to know them well. Because if I am gonna walk through this life, I have to absolutely have all three legs in place. If I don't have revelation of who I am and I just remove that, this is not something I can walk and live on. I've missed out who I am. I missed out on my part I have to play. So I've missed out on how I'm supposed to operate, who I am, and what I can do. Okay, so maybe I, okay, I have an understanding of who I am, but I don't know who the enemy is. So then what happens, I'm going, trying to walk through life and I'm still hindered. And I think everything that happens to me is God. So I blame God for everything, excuse everything is God, and the enemy stays hidden. Remember, all three entities are spirit, unseen. The real me is unseen. Okay, so we're all unseen. And what the enemy does, he wants to remain hidden hidden for advantage. God remains spirit or hidden because he wants you to enjoy the journey of discovery of him. He's hidden for you, not to oppose you. Okay? So I have to get in place what the, who the enemy is. But then if I lose track of who God is, and I think it's just me and the enemy... I become deranged and deceived in the way I think. There is not a devil in every doorknob. Come on now. If you've ever been around some of that, you'd understand. There is there is not everything is not demonic. Some of it has to do with my choosing. And so what I have to understand is I have to keep this completely in the right order, in the right place, because one leg missing one revelation of something, this will not be a life that you can walk and live on. Amen? So I want to talk just briefly about some of these things. Let's go to John chapter 4, verse 24. And we have to understand that God says, I am spirit. He is spirit. God is spirit. He is firm in the realm of the spirit. And those who worship him, if you're going to worship God, worship him in spirit and in truth. Second Corinthians three seventeen says this. It says, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So God is spirit. And we have to understand he is spirit. That word there is pneuma or breath. God is breath. We can't see it, but it's in reference to the fact it's in the air around us is God. In where we breathe is God. And and he wants us to understand how he operates, what he does do, what he doesn't do, because we aren't going to see it necessarily with only our natural eyes. We're going to have to see it with the eyes of our spirit. Because if we see it with the eyes of the spirit, it's firm. Because we're looking with spirit into spirit. And we'll get a clearer picture. Because we're looking with the eyes of our spirit. I hold this because the word of God says, out of your belly flows rivers of living water, meaning your spirit is there. So understanding God is not achievable exclusively by five physical senses. Because he's spirit. I have to understand things about God by spirit, by impression in my inner man. And the more I cultivate that, the more sensitive I become to God. Listing pros and cons to make a life-changing decision is not spiritual. There's a witness within that is firm concerning spiritual things. There is a witness within that knows right or wrong. There is a witness within, and that witness within, because we are spirit, is what we need to listen to. Amen? So we have to understand that by spirit, how he works and operates, how God works and operates. We also need to understand how our enemy works and operates. He is not a gentleman, but he is subtle. The enemy is not a gentleman, but he is subtle. Go back to Ephesians 6, that scripture Pastor Jerry is. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's who the enemy is. He is a spirit. We don't see with our natural eyes a principality. We don't see with our natural eye a power. We don't see with our natural eye a ruler of the darkness. We don't see with our eyes spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. But yet, according to this scripture, that's our opposition. So our opposition for living life is unseen. The opposition for living life is unseen. We can't see it with our natural eyes, but there is forces not seen working against us. And sometimes what happens, we focused on their names, principality, power, darkness. What about focusing on their assignment? What they're trying to do. They're trying to delude, confuse, draw away. In fact, if you look at Hebrews 2.1, this is one of the things the enemy does. He says, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away. There's a drifting. Did you hear last week when Jerry Martin was ministering and he ministered about that dream and he said that what it was was casualness, stealing the life out? stealing the life out. And I thought about that. I said, Father, um, again, we're hearing the same message in this hour. Don't draw back. Don't draw back spiritually. Do not draw back. And I thought, how many times do we have to get a warning before we decide the enemy is working on the church to cause them to drift and draw back and we not recognize that's the work of the devil. The devil wants me to cool off. The devil wants me to drift away. The devil wants me to draw back from God. I have to get active and resist that just because I can't see it doesn't mean he's not working it on me. Just because I don't see it, I don't need a car wreck or my house to burn down to know that the enemy's opposing me. Because he works in the unseen realm, spirit against spirit, trying to just pull a little bit, pull a little bit. He doesn't have to feed you the whole cake. If he can get you to taste it and it tastes good, he's got you. he It's just a small piece. And he says, we have to give heed to the things we have heard. What, is, what have we heard? The word of God. And Mark 4 tells us that the word of God is sown and there's four types of soil. And every type of soil that doesn't produce has got a demonic working on it. Now we realize that every soil, that soil it refers to, he says, that's the heart. That's the heart. The soil is the heart of man. And so if I realize that three out of four times, the word of God comes to a heart and it doesn't produce three out of those four times because it says the enemy comes immediately to steal it. The other kind, he says, he sends a tribulation or persecution for the sake of the word to get it out of them so they don't get rooted in it. The next thing he says, he puts cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other, other things, plants it in the heart, so that doesn't produce. So we have to realize the enemy's agenda is get you cooled down, calmed off, and casual. That is as much a working of the enemy as burning anything down in your life. Because he works in the form of subtleties and deceptions. And because those are things not seen, they're of the spirit and they are firm against the real you. They really work. They really work. So what we have to understand is that we are spirit. And the enemy is going to work spiritual things about us. But if we can remain in the spirit and oppose him, that we will be the overcomer of him. Let's look at a few scriptures here. We'll finish this up. Romans 8 verse 5 in the Passion Translation. It's way down like the third one, one or fourth one, something from the bottom. This is in the Passion Translation. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. Isn't that good? So it tells us see, if I move by the flesh, I'm living by the flesh, I'm according to the flesh, I've lost out of who. I really am. I've lost out the me part of life because I'm not flesh only. I have a flesh right now for temporary assignment. I have a flesh right now for temporary assignment. It's always amazing how many believers live this life like it's it. This isn't it this isn't it. This isn't even a good start. This isn't even a good fragrance of what's to come. We're living forever. Forever. This is the worst hell we're going to ever have. Amen. So we can't live like this is it. Looking for all the pleasures this earth provides, looking for all the ease this world provides, looking for all that. It doesn't going to count. We have to pursue spiritual realities because we are spiritual people. Let's look at the other one in Galatians. Did I give you that one? Galatians 5. This is also in the Passion Translation. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. That word self-life is flesh. You yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit. You abandon the cravings of your self-life. Self-life has cravings. The enemy has set cravings in the invisible realm to try and capture our heart. He has set cravings there. What's the next verse say? For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. So what we see is the spirit of who you really are has an away, an agenda and an assignment from the spirit. But your flesh life can be dominated or have cravings that are not according to that spirit life. And we can get stuck satisfying the cravings of the flesh life. But if we're only about the cravings of the flesh life, we are offending the Holy Spirit with our true assignment that was given to us. Because we have to understand the real us is spirit. How many of you are hoping when you get to heaven, you're going to have a different looking body? Well, it's the truth. We're a spirit. Nobody knows what's really going on on the inside. Now, all spirit things can have manifestation in the natural, but it's because it's the author of the natural, it's the one that instigates and is the incentive for the natural, but we can't base anything off of these eyes. In fact, it even tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, to regard no one according to the flesh. I mean, I don't know people according to the flesh, I have to get to know them about by the spirit. Amen. I want to go to one last verse. Let's go back to Psalms 139. Psalms 139. And it says this, you, and it's talk about God, form my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. This is talking about the creation of you. This is talking about the creation of you. You were marvelously, fearfully, wonderfully made. You are designed by God is what it's trying to tell us. We were designed by God. But look what it says now. And in your book, God's book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. God had the assignment for your life at the same time that you were being created. And it's a spiritual assignment. It is a spiritual mission. It's a, a spiritual doing. So I have to ask, are we fulfilling our spiritual assignment? Are we fulfilling our spiritual duty, our spiritual thing? I heard a prophetic um, person one day, somebody said, "Ask them the question, what do I pray specifically over my children? And they said this, the spirit of the Lord gave them two toggles to always pray over their kids. Number one, that they fulfill their destiny as planned in the earth. That was one of the major importance. The second one, that they will always be a terror to evil. Was the two things. They said, if you will pray those things over your children. But look at that in relative to what we've talked about. What that's saying is, submit to God, resist the enemy. That's what they are praying. Pray that your kids learn to submit to God and resist the devil. Everything else will work out. Because life is built on those three toggles. It is the stand for which we can stand on. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something today? Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to Vimeo.com forward slash Or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org victory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.